Well, 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 we have some more newsletter chat to open today's podcast, Imogen Wells. Brilliant. Hit me with it. So this was inspired by you, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because as I mentioned in the newsletter, although I'm not sure whether our pod listeners know this, you've been struggling with a bad back lately, haven't you? I have. Put my back out, mm, I want to say two Mondays ago now, three Mondays ago, three Mondays ago. Overexerting yourself while getting swole. Mm, just, oh, simply just by lifting so many heavy weights. Yes. Can't help myself. And one of the things that you're doing to treat your back is utilising the magic of the hot water bottle. I am indeed. I've got it right here, in fact. But see, we're referring to the hot water bottle as it, but uh, the hot water bottle is not an it, is it? In the newsletter, you referred to him as Frank, mm-hmm. but you know his name is Bruce. I thought his name was Frank. No, his name is Bruce, and I've told you this. Um, so I asked newsletter subscribers whether they have names for inanimate objects in their lives, and we got some responses. Adrian said, I named my first CPAP Mabel. Now, a CPAP, to my understanding, is a, a medical instrument you use to treat sleep apnea. Ah, uh, right. Adrian named the first CPAP Mabel and the second one Myrtle. Oh, I like that. She was, she says, quite attached to them. It's <laughs> a pun. <laughs> Verging on knock-knock joke territory. <laughs> and Jane, Jane was sent through a very enthusiastic email. This strike called with me, it reads, I name all my cars, bikes, orchard equipment, and so on and so forth. Yes, Jane. Schroeder the Skoda. Okay. Harry the Husky is the uh, Husqvarna mower. Oh, yeah. Jane has a, a Wallenstein chipper called Wilbur. <laughs> this is a, a, a very interesting catalogue of items. If you want to be part of this great chat that we have in our EDMs, uh, you can sign up yourself, head to our own website, so newsable.co.nz, and if you scroll down, there's a big old button there that says sign up to our newsletter, and if you click that link and then follow your way through, you too will be able to let us know what you name your inanimate objects. Your what objects? Just start the show now. All right, kia ora, this is Newsable, I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. New Zealand's first ever grocery commissioner starts the job tomorrow, but is Pierre van Heerden's role all bark and no bite? Well, we asked the man himself. Also, the Prime Minister's in Lithuania meeting with NATO leaders. So what's the buzz on the ground and what's on the agenda? Speaking of Europe, the EU has come up with an ambitious plan to regulate artificial intelligence. We chat to an expert about it. And the final film from one of the world's greatest living directors is about to drop this Friday, but nobody knows a thing about it. We'll explain why. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Well, the man tasked with keeping our supermarkets in check has been chosen. It is Pierre van Heerden. He has the brand spanking new title of Grocery Commissioner. He's got a lot of experience in the area. He's been a chair of the country's Food and Grocery Council. He's been recognised as an advocate for consumer value and transparency. And he used to be the chief executive of Mojo Coffee. If you've ever been to Wellington, you'll know there's basically one of those every 10 metres. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's just stunning. It's like rabbits in the capital. Stunning. So here's a question. What are his plans and will he be making our supermarket shop cheaper in this cost of living crisis? Well, uh, Pierre Van Heerden is here himself to answer those questions. Kia ora. Kia ora and thank you for having me. 
It's great to have you here. Um, tell us a bit about your job. You're stepping into the into the chair officially on Thursday. Yep. What do you do? Well, I'm I'm really passionate about the new role that I have as grocery commissioner. It's really giving us a once in a lifetime or once in a generation opportunity to make a difference for consumers. And Kiwi consumers, we would love to make sure that the playing fields are level so that they get the benefit of that. The more competition we have, the better it is for everyone. I mean, Pierre, you know, the supermarket situation in New Zealand uh, is often described as, you know, an effective duopoly. Uh, Foodstuffs and Progressive have 90% of market share. The factors leading to that are many and varied. It involves things like land banking, uh, a muted sense of competition between those companies. What are your priorities? Get a handle on the team, the bench strength that we have. And then the next thing I want to do is make sure that I engage with all the stakeholders. So the consumer groups that are out there, supplier groups that are there, and then also the grocery suppliers. And that will be to talk to them about what the expectations are and what we'd like to see happen in the industry. As I've said earlier, it's really about creating a long-term level playing field to increase competition, because if that happens, we'll have more choice, we'll have better prices, we'll have a bigger range to choose from. And if other competitors come into the market, it makes it easier. You mentioned land banking, and that's the one thing people say, well, are we going to see any change? Well, since the commission started shining a light on the industry, the land covenants are being removed. That is a major step to open up so that other competitors can come in. The big players, though, also seem to not be taking things quite seriously. There's a bit of a stunning report out from Consumer New Zealand, which found more than 600 fake or dodgy deals slash specials advertised across uh, Kiwi supermarkets. What did you make of that? Is that something you'll be able to step in and crack down on? We will definitely take a look at all of those, and my team will be monitoring the situation so that we can get a handle on what is happening out there. But again, I'd like to engage with the industry to say this isn't acceptable behaviour. Mm. How do we change this? Will you have bark and bite? Because some people could see this title as a man sitting in a, in a wonderful boardroom, uh, you know, having lunch with the head of a supermarket, but they're not quite following through. There definitely are enforcement uh, levers within the Act as well. And uh, as soon as I'm in the role, I will be speaking to the team to make sure that we highlight all of those and that we speak to the grocery retailers and tell them these are the issues we want addressed and these are the consequences. See how you get on, uh, Pierre Van Heeren. Thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. We're going to talk about the EU's attempts to regulate AI in just a minute. Good luck to them, I say. But while you're here... We want to know what you want to know. Is there a topic, a story, anything you want to know more about or have explained? Get in touch. Let us know. You can find us on TikTok or Insta. Just search for Newsable NZ. And if you want to email us, you can also do that, newsable at stuff.co.nz. 
A meeting of NATO leaders is underway in Lithuania, including for the second year in a row, New Zealand's Prime Minister. Yeah, the North Atlantic Treaty Organisation, or NATO, was founded in 1949. It's a group of 31 countries from Europe plus North America that have pledged to defend one another in the event of military aggression. So what's New Zealand doing there along with Australia and South Korea and Japan if we're not a member. Stuff's political reporter Thomas Match is in the Lithuanian capital Vilnius and he's with us now. Kia ora. Kia ora, how you doing? Very well, thanks. Um, so uh, tell us, why is Chris Hipkins there? Well, New Zealand is a, is a partner nation, effectively, of the NATO alliance. So we're not a member. We're obviously not part of the Northern Hemisphere. We're far down in the south. But we have long-standing ties to the alliance. And one of the more sort of recent aspects that demonstrates this is um, the NATO Alliance was the organization that sort of ran Afghanistan after um, the US invaded post-9-11. And um, we participated in that. We, we joined that effort. And so that's one aspect um, that I think demonstrates the kind of, uh, kind of relationship with the, with the alliance. Does this also have anything to do with NATO wanting to firm up relations in this area with the Indo-Pacific? Certainly. I mean, you know, um, they released a strategic document last year speaking more strongly about their concern around China's growing aggression in the region and wider, sort of staking their interest in the region. And so New Zealand, um, like Australia and Japan have done, is currently negotiating a new sort of bespoke partnership arrangement with NATO that's probably not going to be settled by the end of the summer, according to Prime Minister Chris Hipkins. But it's something that's sort of ongoing, you know, these building ties. What's the main thrust of talks or, or subjects? I'm guessing the, the war in Ukraine will be pretty high on, on everyone's agenda. I think it's the war in Ukraine is basically the agenda, really. Hmm. And sort of secondary to that, it's not only about the support NATO will provide, because NATO is effectively backing Ukraine's war, um, war but it's also will Ukraine join NATO at some point. And Ukraine has long had an interest in joining NATO before the war, they legislated a sort of desire to, you know, a sort of national goal to join NATO. There's not yet a consistent um, view within the alliance, from what I can tell, about whether Ukraine should join, but it's something that the NATO Secretary General is actually, he's putting a plan forward and he's saying, look, we've got to work out how to get them there eventually. And uh, there's been a big turnaround with Turkey suddenly changing its mind and backing Sweden's entrance to NATO, Thomas. Basically, uh, an hour after Hipkins um, touched down in Lithuania, the news broke that this was occurring. It was it was very unexpected. Chris Hipkins has indicated he'll raise the supply of cluster bombs to Ukraine by the US. Do you reckon that's actually likely to happen? Yeah, he's, he stood by that, um, you know, just before departing. He's due to meet um, President Zelensky late today. He said that it's not something he'll raise in great detail. And I suppose that's because of the sensitivities of the issue. I mean, mm. you know, it's not, Hilkins probably doesn't feel like it's his place to show up and start lecturing Zelensky on how he should defend his, his country's territory. But it is a principal position New Zealand has, as he puts it. So it's something that he needs to say. And I understand after the meeting, uh, Joe Biden, the president of the US, is giving a big speech in Vilnius. Can you tell us anything about that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's been reported as sort of the main event of his time here. Periodically, U.S. presidents do this, where they where they show up at a place and and they make a big speech about you know the the sort of the awesome power of American strength on the world stage. And it seems like they're building it up for that sort of event. It's happening at a university. It's going to be a you know, relatively public event. 
And yeah, it will be really interesting to see what message he brings after the conference. Thomas Manch, thank you so much for your time and enjoy the summer. Thank you. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. The European Union has just passed a draft law regulating AI, a piece of legislation two years in the making that hopes to shape global AI standards. There's no word on whether or not it used ChatGPT to write said law, uh, but how do you regulate something so vague and with such nebulous potential. With us now is Nalo Cristianini, a professor of artificial intelligence at the University of Bath. Hello, Nalo. Thank you very much for being here. Hello to you. Thank you for having me. Tell us about this law, first of all. How would you encompass what is in it? Well, it it was quite a difficult thing to do. It started quite a few years ago, and the fine line was, we want to be safe with artificial intelligence, but we don't want to stifle innovation. And this was a difficult line to to draw, and different countries will do it in different ways. In Europe, this decision has been to not regulate AI per se, but to regulate its different uses. So the same algorithm could be allowed in a video game, but then in a bank, it could be heavily regulated. That's the fundamental idea. And would you say this legislation is fit for purpose? Does it encapsulate everything that needs to be encapsulated? Well, you never can in a field that is moving so fast. And that's part of the challenge, but I think it's a very good first start because it divides the different applications of artificial intelligence into levels of risk. It doesn't go into the details of what, how you're going to do it, so it allows for progress and change in technology. It just says, if you are going to make use of some AI to recognize the face of people in the streets real time, that is going to be unacceptable risk and not allowed in Europe. And that doesn't depend on the algorithm. Similarly, if you are going to use AI to screen mortgage applications, it is allowed under strict oversight. And there is quite a serious oversight. And that, again, is independent of how we're going to do it. So I think it was a pretty decent start. Nelly, you've written a piece for The Conversation on this topic. It's a really interesting piece. And one of the things that I noticed about it is, you know, there's a lot of breathless rhetoric that you hear, even from, from politicians and, and you know, powerful people about the threat of AI, um, that it poses an existential risk, a threat of extinction. You're not convinced that that is the main issue here. Can you elaborate a bit on that? We need to be careful. I spent the, the last few days reading all the newspapers from the 1950s when this conversation was already unfolding. And again, the tone was the same. Half of the people were talking about this impending disaster and the other half about this marvelous future. I think we are going to be honestly in between. We need to work really hard to keep things safe. But the idea of an extinction is, is I don't say it's impossible as a scientist, you can always imagine something, but it's certainly, certainly not the first thing that should come to mind. What happens here, Nello Cristianini? Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. 
Hey, we're still going to talk about the movie coming out this week that nobody knows anything about. But first, if you're enjoying what you're listening, do chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It helps other people to find us. And also, remember to sign up to our EDM, our daily email that arrives every morning. You just head to newsball.co.nz and click the big button that says subscribe to our daily email. Emil, there's a movie coming out soon. And you're quite excited about this one. That's true. I am quite excited about this one. It's an animated movie, Mm -hmm. which of course you love because you're a child. Yes, in a man's body. That's a joke. I love an animated film. Uh, But it's by a very famous and beloved director. Yeah, it's uh, it's directed by this guy called Hayao Miyazaki, who might not be that familiar with uh, to a lot of people, but maybe is better known as Mr. Studio Ghibli. He made a lot of very beloved movies that will ring lots of bells for people. Princess Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle, Nausicaa of the Valley of Winds, most famously probably Spirited Away. Have you seen that, that 2001 movie? I have seen that. And my favourite is Howl's Moving Castle, though. I feel like everyone needs yeah, it's a good movie. to watch that. But the movie that's coming out this week on Friday in Japan, first of all, is quite unusual. It's called How Do You Live?, but no one knows anything about it. It's crazy, actually. It defies all logic. So um, we, we, as you say, have pretty much zero information about this movie. We know that it's 124 minutes long. We know it's inspired by a book that is also called How Do You Live, but it's not going to follow the same plot line at all. And that's pretty much it. This is a conscious decision on behalf of the studio to release zero marketing materials. There's no trailer. There's no still images. Uh, The only thing that they've produced is one single poster. Uh, It's coming out in Japan on Friday. Do we know when it'll hit our shores? No idea. It doesn't have a US release date. It does not have a New Zealand release date. But when it does drop here, I'm going to be watching it. So um, keep your eyes peeled. And if you don't, I'll let you know. I reckon that's us for today. That's Newsball for today. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Emil Donovan. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you tomorrow. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.